All right. Pack up the last bit of sugar, coffee, whatever you're streamlining these days. Uh, make your way back. Um, yeah. I am I'm excited to be here. Um, like Jared said, I used to work at a church in uh, Irvine, Newport Beach area. That's where I'm from. So when y'all talk about great weather, I'm like, this is nice. I guess this is something to be grateful for in May. I'm not sure. This is how every day is where I'm from. So, um, but the weather's been great, so that's something to be grateful for. I'm excited. Um, like Jared said, I come from a line of pastors, which is weird um, in itself. My grandfather, my grandfather's a pastor. My father's a pastor. My uncle's a pastor. My brother-in-law's a pastor. I have three cousins that are pastors. Um, so I'm like really gifted and like <laughs> totally anointed. That's kind of what I'm implying. No, in no way does that qualify me to be speaking by any means. But I used to work at a church, and um, Jared kind of asked me a couple months ago. We kind of looked at some dates. So here we are. And um, yeah, so again, thank you, Jared, for having me. And uh, we've been going through Acts. And Acts is a cool place for us to start um, as a church and kind of go through. I think it's necessary for us. Um, as we figure out who we are as a church, how we're loving each other, how we're loving Jesus, um, these kind of sacred moments and um, interactions, as Jared talks about, that we get to have. Um, it's an interesting time in history. We are, um, Jesus died, he rose from the dead. There isn't um, this New Testament that we have that didn't exist yet. Paul is actually writing this New Testament, and he's creating these followers of Jesus, and, and they're trying to figure out what it looks like to live in community, to live in a group, to create this, this idea of what church could be and is. And so he's, he, these writings are kind of a great um, example of what church could be, what church could look like, especially for us as we're trying to figure out how we're doing these things in our community, how we're doing these things um, in this area with each other, what does this look like? Um, these gatherings as we're following, trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus and love each other. And in no way do we do this perfectly, but we're, we're working on it. So, <coughs> excuse me, if I cough, I'm not going to die. We're, we're good. Just FYI. <coughs> um, so this is kind of where we're at. And um, Jared said, here's this Acts part where we're going to be in. And so we picked the series and here we are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive right in. It's going to be um, hopefully... Uh, a lot of scripture, because I think it's a lot. Uh, and it's going to go quick. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to say good luck, because we're going um, to hammer through some of this stuff and try to make a point and hopefully um, leave enlightened and um, everything that, that we usually get. So again, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can we pray? Is that okay to do? All right. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we get to be here. Thank you for this weather. Thank you um, for this family that we um, are adopted into. Thank you um, that we have a place to gather in your name. Thank you that we get to sing songs of worship, that we get to um, worship by loving each other and building each other up. Thank you for your word, your scripture, Lord. Um, would you bless this time? Would you let us enjoy uh, your spirit? In your things, in your name, in your holy name we pray. Amen. Bro. Uh, so I'm going to dive right into it. So in Acts 16, um, Paul casts out a, a demon in a, in a girl. So I'm going to kind of paint a picture and go back to the New Testament when Jesus casted out demons and kind of painted a, um, a picture of that. 
So Luke 4, 33, 37. Good luck. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus says. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man on the ground before them and came out without injuring the man. So Jesus is, Jesus, this is the first time it's mentioned in Luke that Jesus is confronted with this spirit, with a demon, and, um, and, and Jesus casts him out. See, Jesus healed people from the sick. He raised people from the dead. He made the blind see. He did all these miracles we love talking about, but he also casted out demons a lot. And that was a part of his ministry that we often ignore because um, it's a little confusing and Hollywood makes a big hoopla about it. We see people with their heads turning around and puke and vomit. But this is, this is like a, right? This is like an everyday occurrence for Jesus. Like he, this guy, he, he comes up and he says, and there's a spirit and he calls Jesus by name. He knows who Jesus is. And he even calls him the Holy One of God. So Matthew 8.28, another example. I'm going to paint a lot of examples. When he arrived at the other side of the region, two demons, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Again, Jesus is met by demon-possessed men who are living in tombs, which is a huge no-no in that time, in that region, and in that, re- that area. Living in tombs, you were dirty, you were um, unclean. Even looking at, at dead bodies was a huge no-no, let alone living in tombs amongst them. So obviously these guys are tortured, they're tormented. And here Jesus is, he's confronted with it, and he casts out, cast out these demons um, like, like, it, like it happens every day, because it's going to happen. So two interesting points already I'm going to point out. One, the demon calls him Holy One of God. The demons clearly know who Jesus is. Jared and I were talking earlier this week about kind of what we're talking about right now. Interesting. <laughs> and and um, we, we kind of we were talking that demons actually have really good theology. This was a confusing time for people and understanding of who Jesus was. There was a lot of talk of who Jesus could be. Is he the Messiah? Is he just a healer? Is he a, a rabbi? Is he a lunatic? All of these things were titles given to, given to Jesus, and no one really can figure out who Jesus is. Except the demons. They know exactly who he is. They call him the Holy One of God. They call him Jesus of Nazareth. They clearly know who he is. Which raises the question, what's the difference between us and the demons? We know who Jesus is. In fact, if Jesus Jesus walked through, I hope I would respond in, in some of these ways. I hope I would yell out, Holy One of God. I hope I would fall down as some of them do. They fall at his feet. So what separates us from the demons? Another example, Luke 8, 28, 27 and 28. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he lived in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, of the, Jesus son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. Mark 5.7, he, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God you won't torture me. Are we picking up a theme? We need more? I'm going to give you more. It's going to happen. Uh, 
Mark 1, 23, 24. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. As a kid, I grew up in the church, like I said, my grandmother being a pastor's wife uh, and being um, sweet and loving and kind and everything that she is, and God bless her, she's still smart and funny and all those things. But she had this kind of, I, want, I don't want to say ritual, but it was a, a thing that she did with all her grandkids. When they got to like the mature age of five, she would grab us kids, us grandkids, and all my cousins, and individually she would sit down with them. And actually there's some recordings of it that I heard not that long ago. It's kind of, kind of funny. But she would sit down with us and she would say, now, buddy, when you die, do you want to go to heaven with mommy and daddy, with all your friends, with your cousins? Do you want to live with Jesus? Or do you want to burn in hell? It's like, I was, I was a pretty smart five-year-old, so I'm like, I guess I'll choose heaven, right? So she's like, okay, say these words after me, and there's a recording of it. And these, these words are powerful, clearly, because um, Jesus has this name that's casting out demons, and there's authority in that. But what I'm saying is maybe there's something more that Jesus is calling us to, because clearly it can't just be doing what the demons do, which is name Jesus and acknowledge who he is. Maybe there's something more that we're called to, because it cannot simply be do as the demons do. We have to be different. Again, we need more examples, don't we? Jesus was throwing out demons. That causes muteness. This is Luke eleven fourteen. So again, good luck. Uh, Jesus was throwing out a demon that causes muteness. When the, demons, when the demon was gone, the man who couldn't speak began to talk. The crowds were amazed. But some of them says he throws out demons with the authority of Beelzebub, the ruler of demons, or the prince of demons. Others were testing him, seeking a sign from heaven. So this is interesting. This is Luke 11. There's a demon that causes muteness, which is kind of important to this, to this story, a little background. There were other people of the day casting out demons that were doing similar exorcisms, if you will. But there was a recipe to cast out demons of the day. You had, you named, you had to name, you had to find out the name of this demon. You named it by name, and then you would use its name against itself. So it was thought of the day that there was only one person that could cast out a mute demon, and that would be the Messiah. So it's an incredibly important example to who Jesus was. In fact, this was, this was, he was so good at this, and people were, their hearts were so hardened that they began to think, he has to be in legion with these demons, because he can't just be casting them out without knowing their names and not understanding these demons. But Jesus has the authority. He casts out this demon, so people are so confused by him. They either say, A, he's the Messiah, or B, he's in legion with the prince of darkness. And Jesus goes on and he talks about how he's obviously not in legion with the prince of darkness because that would be a civil war and that would go against itself. So clearly there's, there's something different about this name Jesus, about who Jesus is. And there's something that has to separate us from the demons. There has, we have to be different in some way, right? So now we get to Acts. This is 
Jesus died. He rose from the dead. There's authority in Jesus' name. One day, when we were going to the place of prayer, this is Paul, a a female servant met us. She was possessed by an evil spirit that told fortunes. She made lots of money for her owners by telling fortunes. She She used to follow Paul and shout, These men are servants of the Most High God. They are telling you how you can be saved. She kept doing this for many days. Paul became annoyed, turned to the evil spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. So clearly there's authority in the name of Jesus. We get that. Paul calls it, calls it out in the name of Jesus. But clearly there is something that has to separate us from these demons. This woman is held in bondage in captivity by spiritual demons that are taking her body over and forcing her to do things that she may or may not want to do. She is held in a physical captivity, which is literally she is owned by people who are making lots of money on her fortune telling, right? And Paul uses the name of Jesus and casts her out. So clearly there's authority in this name of Jesus. There's authority in this person, in this this name. But there's also something that separates us from the demons, (laughs) So James 2, 18 and 19. Someone might claim that they have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your action? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. It's good that you believe that God is one. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble with fear. James is saying... Even the demons believe that God is one. The demons understand and call out by name who Jesus is. Right? Clearly there's something more that we need and are called to. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. This is something that Jared and I, we go through that um, early morning men's stuff, and this is something that came up. Um, So people are asking Jesus, What's the most important commandment? Jesus, what, what, how do you sum up everything that we should live by the law, all these countless laws that, that exist? How do we sum this up into one clean sentence? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. People are asking Jesus, what's the most important thing? What's the thing we have to do? What if we could obey all the laws into one sum sentence? And, and it's summed up in Matthew. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And the second, just like it, they're connected, is love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. As I'm driving over here with my wife and son, we stopped at Starbucks, and there was a, a man who did some clever things in the car. He was cutting people off and things. And I was, I was literally like, I want that guy to die screaming. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's not, it's not a, good, a good moment. And then I'm coming here, and I'm like, I'm late, and i got to get to this place where I have to tell people about Jesus and the importance of loving people. And on my way over here, I am cursing and not, well, sort of cursing. (laughs) 
this man into a fiery death who I don't even know, who, who could be in a hurry, who could be somewhere going hospital, who knows, right? We are called to love each other, and, and those two we like to separate. I like to separate them all the time, loving each other and loving God. And clearly those two, God is saying, those two are just like it. Those two are interweaved. They are connected. You cannot love God and hate your neighbor. It's impossible. They are so connected that the demons can acknowledge who God is. They can acknowledge who Jesus is. This is, this is what separates us from the demons. John 13, 34, and 35. Jared started us out with a similar verse. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Therefore, if you are offering your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What God is saying here is that there is so interconnected between the vertical and the horizontal that if you have a sin against your brother, you should go reconcile that first before you should come and offer an offering to me. We are interconnected, whether we like it or not. And that is why we get to say, for those 10 minutes while we have coffee and have delicious muffins that were homemade, that, that this, that's, we are continuing worshiping God. And that is why the church is called not just, to, not just to acknowledge who Jesus is and even point in Acts how she points to this. This is the way. They are giving you the way to heaven. They are telling you the way to be saved. That is not our job. That is not just our job because that is, the demons can do that. We are called to love each other. And that is why we do stuff like this water drive we're doing for people. That's why we're called to help the poor and needy. Because, because if, we, if, we just, if we just say we're worshiping God and, 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 um, and not loving other people, John says in um, John 1, 5, 1 John 1, 5, this is the message that we have heard from him. God is light and there is no darkness in him. If we claim we have fellowship with him and live in darkness, we are lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light the same way that he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from every sin. So clearly, we have to, we have to do both. We cannot do one. We cannot separate them, even though it's a lot easier when you're driving in your car. So clearly, the vertical and horizontal connected. We get that point, right? You're all playing with me? Nodding? Sure. But we get this other distinction between us and the demons. And we're going to take communion. And Matt's going to come up and sing over us in a couple minutes. We get these metaphors of who God is in our life. And we get this metaphor from Jesus, that Jesus' body is broken and his blood is shed for us. And we'll take communion while he sings over us, and we'll eat this, this representation of what Jesus did for us. But what else we get to do is we get metaphors of who God is. See, the demons get to say, 
Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the Holy One of God. But they don't get to say, Jesus is my rock. He is my Savior. He is my Holy One of God. He is my Savior. This is a big difference between us and the demons. And as we have, this, and we have our communion, as Matt sings over us, I want you to think about this metaphor that God gives us for him and the metaphors that God gives us of who Jesus and who God is. And I also want you to think about this horizontal being connected to the vertical. So should we pray? Is that cool? We do that? Lord, thank you. Thank you that um, you sent your son. Thank you that, that the vertical and the horizontal are completely connected. It's difficult, God, but um, they are, and you tell us they are. Lord, would you give us a distinct um, separation of the demons from ourselves? Would you give us a metaphor and, and something to hold on to of who you are? As we take communion, Lord, we are grateful for your blood and your body broken. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.